0: Welcome to Game and Going Deeper, a podcast by the Gaiman's Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Your hosts today are the lovely Michael, the awesome Callan, and the wonderful Matt. <laughs> um, so today we are talking about normalizing fear. We are going to dish it with you guys and show you that we are also fearful creatures and uh, just normalizing this phenomenon Uh, We're going to be unpacking questions such as, how do you experience fear? What are some things you are afraid of and what are some strategies you use to overcome your fears? Then we would like you to join us, um, next week, next Thursday, we'll continue the discussion in the gay men's brotherhood zoom hangouts where you'll have a chance to share your experience in a sharing circle format. But first we want to read a review. So today we are going to be spreading the love towards Michael. He got a review, a thought-provoking journey from Garmstro. It says Michael does a great job at hosting, diving deeper into issues surrounding gay men's physical and mental health. I appreciate his openness and transparency on these important topics. The discussions have really helped me with self with my self-reflection. Thank you for launching this series. Awesome. Thank you, Lovely. Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> love it.
1: I love reviews. They make me so happy.
0: Me too. Um. Okay. So let's move into, I'm going to just read, read what fear is. I think we all kind of know what fear is. We've all felt it. Um, but let's kind of unpack a little bit of the science around it. So I just kind of Wikipedia fear um, it says fear is an emotion induced by the perception or recognition of phenomena, which can pose a danger or threat. <clears throat> fear causes Physiological changes and therefore may produce behavioral changes, such as mounting an aggressive response or fleeing the threat. Fear in human beings may occur in response to certain stimulus occurring in the present or in anticipation or expectation of a future threat perceived as risk to oneself. So, fear has typically four responses, right? We can fight it, we can flee from it, like, you know, fight or flight. Um, we can fawn so we can people please, or we can become that pleasing character and we can freeze, right? So these are the four responses that typically people, um, experience through their nervous system, typically, which is the, the, the system inside of us that is impacted by fear. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about, before we begin and answering those three, the three questions, um, I wanted to share a little bit about fear, um, and fearlessness right because if you're looking at the continuum we're we're starting on one end um which would be fear and we have on the other end courage right which is our ability to be able to face fear and move through it and i think there's this notion in society around fearlessness right fearlessness we we think that that there we should just be able to remove fear and and be free of it but in in my experience um this is not the case. Um, instead of fearlessness, it's, it's, it's about courage and being able to um, feel the fear and do it anyway, right? And I think that's what we want to really normalize today is this notion of um, the fear is going to be there and you can choose to let it um, run the show and, and impact the way that you show up in, in your life or you can choose to, to face it and move through it and uh, overcome it, which allows us to step into courage um, so I will, I also wanted to note too, that, um, for people who struggle with anxiety, um, this really is a fear-based disorder, right? We, we have this perception of something being a threat in our environment, And usually anxiety is a disorder of future, right? Where we're anticipating something coming, which is usually fear or a threat. And then we allow that to kind of spin us out and we get into that, um, more, more vigilant or hypervigilant state. So, um, I just wanted to kind of preface with those two things and, um, and yeah. So, um, how do you experience fear? I want to pass it over to Michael. <laughs> All how right. do you experience fear, Michael? Thank you, Matt, for that intro. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love, I love that
2: saying: "Feel the fear and do it anyway." That's one of my favorite mantras, and I believe the title of a book somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so how do I experience fear? This was a great question because I was like, I definitely used to experience fear in a very different way uh, before I was, you know, really into my personal development journey not to say that I wasn't afraid, but they were very different things. So I'll start by saying you guys all know that I am a recovering control freak. And so I think the first thing that came to mind is I feel afraid when I perceive that I'm not in control. Uh, And so that's for me is one of the first big ones. But of course, we know when I really think about it, that I'm never actually fully in control of the things that I think I am. Uh, And the only things that I do control are my thoughts, my behaviors, my actions, and and so on. So I think that that perceived, like in the definition, there was a perceived threat, uh, mm-hmm. perceived loss of control for me will will ignite some kind of fear. And then the other thing is for me, a fear of the unknown. So when I, when I do anything or when I'm about to do anything that I've never done before, or that feels uncomfortable for me, there is fear. And The way that fear shows up for me, and maybe this is what you meant by the question was, I get a very, very deep feeling of a, like a a pit in my stomach. Like there's a giant bowling ball sitting in like my tummy and it feels terrible. The other thing that happens is my, my chest will get like, I, I get shallow, short breath. And as you guys know, on the podcast, sometimes I talk very quickly when I'm getting nervous. So those are how fear shows up for me physiologically. However, w- when I look at why that happens, it's, it's usually in situations that um, I'm doing something that I've never done before. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. So the, the funny thing here is a few years ago, I decided that I was going to stop living a life where I felt stagnant and stuck in my comfort zone. And I was going to start living more unapologetically, meaning going for my goals without shame, without apology, doing what I want, uh, going for my desires, which is, of course, the scariest thing I've ever done. And that continues to be. So even though I made that decision a long time ago, every day along the way, I am doing something new. Uh, even doing this entire podcast, when when we decided we we're going to do a podcast, you guys know, I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I felt the fear and I did it anyway. Luckily, I have you guys both uh, who, who helped me along the way. And even to this day, guys, like I still get a little bit antsy when I'm doing this or when I'm doing a little video for YouTube or even on Insta, like a one minute video, I still have a little bit of that fear. So I'd say for me, yeah, it's, it's anytime I'm about to do something that I've never done before, or it's, it's a discomfort. Um, But when I've made a commitment to pursuing my dreams, which I have, as you said, fear is just going to be there and there's nothing I'm gonna be able to do to make it go away. And I don't think we should. I don't think we, we should make fear go. I think the whole point of this is to normalize that it's here with us and coming along for the ride.
1: How about you, Callan? How do you experience fear? Ooh, this be loaded. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is so loaded for me. Okay. Um, how do I experience fear? Well, for me, I'd, I'd have to say I personally experience fear, I think, in the fight mode. That's my default is when fear comes up for me is I turn into a fighter. Um, I just like, and that's how I know that I'm in fear is that when I'm feeling aggressive, when I'm feeling like, like aggressive and like um, in a fighter mode and like a lot of angers coming up, that's how I know I'm truly in fear. Because if I take a step back and I ask the question of like, what is really going on here? What do I really feel underneath this? It's fear. And usually a lot of mine comes down to, um, you know, fear of abandonment is one of my big ones um, just from my past history and all that. So when I feel that fear, that's, that's a huge triggering one for me is when I feel like I'm being abandoned, that's when I start to lash out and I start to get aggressive and angry because I don't wanna lose whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another way that I experience fear is um, anxiety. And, but it's not. This one's really tricky for me because I'm still going through it, and I usually don't like to talk about things as much. It when I'm really in the thick of it, when I'm really going through it, and I still literally haven't figured it out. Um, I kind of like to talk about things when I've at least kind of gotten closer to the other side of it, so I can explain like what I've gone through and why, why, and what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I have like a secret anxiety, and so I know it comes from fear. I don't know. How or why, and I've done work around this. Matt, we've talked about this before. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I sleep, I have sleep anxieties. And so I don't have anxiety about sleeping. I love sleeping. But when I'm asleep, my subconscious will wake me up out of fear anxiety dreams. So I have this reoccurring dream where I'm on the side of the CN Tower, I'm doing the edge walk, and like I'm leaning over the edge and just thinking about that makes my stomach turn and gives me like those anxiety butterfly feelings and that to me is like terrifying fear which is wild because I've gone skydiving I've gone bungee jumping and like all of that's fine but it's this one thing that has like carved a neurological like a stronghold in my brain Um, that I never used to have before. And it started when I became a flight attendant and I was, you know, sleeping all sorts of weird hours and traveling all over the world. But the place that I worked was very fear-based kind of mentality. And the area of the world that I lived in in the Middle East was also very fear-based kind of energy. And I think that the years of compounding interest around this anxiety of like, oh, I can't miss my flight or, oh, I can't do this because like everything had such a fearful consequence that it built this anxiety in me that manifested in this dream. I don't know why or how. And now I struggle with a lot of stomach problems around this anxiety that happens to me when I'm sleeping and I can't control it. And Hmm. so that's another way that my fear kind of comes up, but I, I haven't, I've been doing the work for years now to kind of unpack that and figure it out, whether that's therapy or naturopaths and all like intuitives. And it's still deeply rooted in there. So I know that there's something big in there. Um, And when it shifts, it's going to be massive. But that's kind of another way that I experience my fears that I don't necessarily outwardly have it. But I know that it's there because it's manifesting in me in such a strong way that I'm like, okay, We got to figure this out. So those are kind of the two biggest ways that I experience fear. The more outwardly one is that when I'm feeling like something's going to get taken away from me or my abandonment stuff comes up, I act out in anger and that fight mode. um, And that would be my kind of default in regards to my fear response. But then when I take the time to step back now, after doing all this work for so many years, I can take a step back and I can go, okay, where is this really coming from? And it's coming from a fear of not being good enough, a fear of not, you know, feeling like I deserve love because when those things are there and that, the, the idea of it being taken away, that fear, that old abandonment wound comes up. And then that's where the anger comes from because it turns into fight mode out of that fear. So that's how I experience fear. Hmm. Matt. Did you go into yourself yet? Not
0: really. Um, I'll share a little bit about... So, you know, I feel a lot of um, fear physiologically. Um, I have a ton of body awareness and I feel like the same thing that Michael said. Instead of it being a heavy bowling ball, mine's like a a net of butterflies and they're just mm. like, rah, like freaking out. And there's just this intense energy and it like, I can't sit still. My mouth goes dry. I my stomach gets all weird and I lose my appetite. Um, so it's almost like a stress response. And uh, you know, for me, it, it's, it's very similar to for, for, for those of us who have experienced trauma, which is pretty much in my opinion, everybody uh, it's to some degree, right. Uh, of trauma. Um it's very similar to that and I think you know the thing about trauma is it makes us feel unsafe and, and fear does the same thing and I think the difference is between fear and trauma well fear can can stimulate trauma but um, trauma is usually when we we experienced a f- of something fearful but we weren't able to escape it through fight flight freeze or, or fawn right we had to be with it and it traumatized us whereas if we're able to remove ourselves from the stimulus then it's likely not going to be as traumatizing or cause trauma at all because we were able to remove ourselves from it um so i feel i feel a lot of the same feelings that i felt when i experienced um Trauma, and what's really interesting is that the in the last year and a half, I've done a, a ton of trauma work, and I think that's really what my awakening process has been. It's been a, a shedding of the traum- trauma that I had gone through as a child, and um, really allowing myself to connect back to that that inner resource or that inner part of me that um, that I, d- I didn't ever get to develop. Really, like as a child, I didn't ever really have that that safety, that inner safety or that outer safety to be able to tune back into. So I think, um, being able to, to connect back to that now is it's making me feel less fear in my life because I, I know that I can come back home to myself, which when you don't develop that sense of self from a younger age, like where do you go when scary things happen, right? Usually we retreat up into our mind and the mind, um, ruminates about the fearful thing, trying to find a solution. But as we know, the mind does not have solutions to emotions, the the emotions need to be felt, right? And I think because of my trauma, I shut off my ability to feel for so long that I wasn't able to release a lot of this stuff. So it was just like a hamster wheel of fear and not feeling safe and shame and all these things that I couldn't get out, I was looping. And now that I've done some of this work, I feel like I finally have an out to find safety so i would say my experience of fear now is um one that has more courage inside of it but i still feel it in the physiological ways that um that i described because like i said i don't think we can ever enter fearlessness um if we um if we are experiencing fearlessness we're probably in denial or we never had fear about that thing in the first place right um it's not a fear of ours anyway so um that's anyway that's kind of my answer but
2: yeah I want to just add because you guys triggered me in a good way um interesting Callan that you had said yours was fight my mine is the opposite that's how I know I'm afraid as I run back into myself sort of like mm. what Matt was saying like in my own I find safety in my own mind uh well not that it's always a good place to be but I can I know that I'm feeling free when I want to retreat when I can hear the thoughts saying, no, 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 no. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do a podcast. You crazy. Uh, all that kind of stuff, all those words, all that dialogue that is saying, no, this is dangerous. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. That's how I know. And when I listened to that I, and I indulged in those thoughts, I ran, of course, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, this is dangerous. Get the hell out of here. And that's what kept me um, hiding for like my whole life, hiding under, you know, hiding from the things I actually wanted. Um, so I think I think that's another point that I wanted to make is it's interesting how some people have what was the other one too freeze and freeze and fun yeah interesting yeah
0: I'm definitely a a flight like peace out (laughs) yeah yeah we can all use different ones and we all do typically go through them but we'll have our our dominant one and I would probably say I'm the same as Callan right in fear I like meet it with anger I'm like bitch you ain't gonna scare me <laughs> I'm gonna roar louder right but then it doesn't allow me to process it it's, it's anger is a form of denial really if you think about it you're denying the primary emotion underlying which usually for me would be fear or, or um, despair or sadness or something like that so mm-hmm. yeah. um, I'm curious Callan for you what are some things that you're afraid of oh well I did mention them before um, yeah
1: the idea of going up to the scene tower and doing that like edge walk scares scarce like i i have a physical visceral reaction when i see it and people think it's outrageous they're like are you kidding me i literally physically jump out of my skin and move and flail and like have to physically remove myself like Mm -hmm. i cannot i just can't look at it and be around it and i know that maybe there's like some types of like exposure therapy there. Like I have tried to do, but it's so overwhelming to my system that it's really hard for me to go through it and try and do it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I'm talking like I've I've tried to like watch YouTubes of people doing it whilst having like meditation music going on, being safe in my bed. And just like my body is just shaking uncontrollably Mm -hmm. and just like tears are rolling down my face. Wow. But the crazy part is, is, I have no idea where that came from. I've been up there. I've gone over the glass part before. Like it was scary, but it wasn't like I couldn't do it. And I've gone bungee jumping. I've gone skydiving. I've done other things and been in heights. Like I was a flight attendant. Like I was 40,000 feet up in mm-hmm. the air. Like that doesn't scare me. And even like there's this idea, there's like, thing you can do where you can like go and stand on the top of like a propeller airplane and like they fly you around and you're all strapped in and stuff and I would love to do that that looks amazing to me and being up there and the idea of falling off that doesn't even phase me but it's Mm. this one thing that I'm just like what 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 Mm. is in there and it's so hard because I can't intellectualize my way out of it you know I have Mm -hmm. to feel my way out of it and that's been such a That's probably been at least the last year or two of really trying to feel into it and take away the intellectual side of it and just feel it and understand the emotions and and letting myself cry and do all that. Um, But that's definitely one thing that I'm afraid of. Mm -hmm. And uh, abandonment used, it's not as big as it used to be. Abandonment used to be really big because coming from a divorced family, um, And just, it seemed to kind of be like a running like theme in my life, which I know that means that there must be something there that I need to work through that I need to process. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I've had best friend of like 10 years from high school just dropped me all of a sudden because they're like no I'm over you and it's like okay is that me choosing bad people in my life or is them is that then being a bad person and I just go into this whole abandonment I'm not good enough because that's the story I've told myself for so long that I'm like it has to be me like I have to be the thing that's wrong and so I have a lot of fears that come up around that um, that I still am working through and processing and and being with you guys and working through it here has been huge in helping me kind of like learn and grow through that because it, there have been many times in my head where i've been like oh they're done they're over it they don't want to do this anymore they're cutting they're they're running like the whole thing's going to come collapsing down and and it's all going to be over and i catastrophize it in my head because of my own insecurities that are coming up and in those moments i have to just you know, take a step back and remind myself like, okay, cool, great, nice story. Let's look for the actual facts and truth in that. And I can never find it. You know, it's all just made up stories that I've put in my head, but there's no actual facts of that. Like there's no truth that I can see. And so I'm like, okay, well, if there's nothing that I can tangibly see, then it cannot be true until, you know, if one day it does, but until then I have to assume that things are great and it's going in a good direction. And, but that still comes up for me. So I know that there's still healing that needs to be done there. That obviously goes back to my childhood of like feeling abandoned by my parents when they divorced and then feeling abandoned by my dad when he kicked me out when I was 16 because he picked his girlfriend over me because she didn't like me. Like all of these things come up and unless we work through them and process them, they're gonna stay there and stick through that. So that's what a lot of my journey has been now in my adult years is trying to kind of move through that and emotionally digest that instead of intellectually go through that because I'm a very methodical intellectual based type person I I understand that and emotions are a little bit more I don't get them per se, sometimes. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, kind of learning how to go through those emotions and work with them and just sit with them and not need to understand why I'm have like crying my eyes out, but just to do it. Like, I don't know why I'm crying. Like sometimes you watch a show and you're just like, ah. you don't know why per se, but you're just like, okay, I don't shut that down anymore. I just let it out. Whereas I used to just close that up. Um, so yeah, so that's a couple of things that I'm afraid of. What about, what about you, Michael? Yeah. Um, I I resonate
2: with the fear of abandonment more so when I was younger. Uh, Definitely up until I would say one of my, one of my breakups really helped me kick that one Mm -hmm. to the curb, (laughs) but for a very long part of my life, that's what kept me and and fear of rejection. I would put those two together. Um, Kept me in my people pleasing kept me with, people that I maybe shouldn't have been but I would say those two I've done a lot of work with over the years and it's actually it feels kind of nice right now to think hey you know what I not to say that they're gone but I've done a lot of work around them these days it's it's uh, as I was saying earlier sort of the fear of the unknown and for me that shows up more than ever these days uh, with visibility fear of being seen which is really weird <laughs> like I didn't know I had this until I started, you know, running my own business and having to market and advertise and speak about myself and tell people how awesome I was. I'm like, no, I don't do that. That's 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 for people who are grandiose and they speak about themselves. So, um, learning to unpack that has been has been very eye opening for me, right? And I think that it's not one I knew was there. And I think subconsciously we do that. Subconsciously we stay away from situations where we don't have to trigger our own fears. Uh, until one day they they are and then you have to they come to the surface and you have to deal with it uh, so for me that that comes along in any any which way like I was saying podcasts videos um, promoting myself like the idea of like telling people about what I do and why they should hire me has been very challenging even though I know that I'm fucking awesome I just want them to know it without me having to say it which is mm-hmm. really strange right like I just want you to know that I'm awesome um, so having to do that has been a big challenge, and I want to say as well, fear of fear. I think that comes up for me a lot. Like, I'll be afraid, and then I'll be afraid that I'm afraid, which just creates, at least for me, panic. So, first I'm afraid, and then if I'm afraid, I'm afraid, then I'm panicked. And then when I'm panicked, I'm not thinking clearly, I'm not, I'm just in complete chaos. So, I think this is very common. Like, you know, we don't want to feel fear, we don't want to have any kind of discomfort or, or uncomfortable emotion. Um, so I, I am afraid of situations that will therefore create more fear in me and that's just unnecessary layering. So um, yeah, I think those are the main ones. In terms of the, the physiological perspective, like Callan, you were saying with the CN Tower, that, I would never do that. But um, also for me, like that feeling of going up a roller coaster. So, you know, like and you're going higher and higher and you have no idea when this fucking thing's going to end is very scary, knowing that I signed up for it and I did all this and I paid for it and I stood in line for this thing and I still do it. But, but and there's some kind of uh, analogy to life here, going down, when most people find that scary, I am like, yes, and I'm like, just loving it. And the, the journey afterwards feels fucking great and it's and thrilling and it's exciting. So, you know, there is something to be said about that, that fear and excitement being two sides of the same coin, at least for me, that's something that I see. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting that we, I do these things where we sign up for these experiences like bungee jumping or whatever it is, and you're afraid in the hearts, you're having all these reactions, but then it's so thrilling at the end of it. And then you can say, hey, I did that. Or you can look can look back at it and say, yes, I was afraid I survived. And yeah, let's do it again because it was so fucking fun.
1: I just need to say, I love that roller coaster analogy. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Because, like, that's, I feel like that's what we're doing right now with like everything that, like, we're doing with, you know, this podcast. And we're like going up right now. And, like, I'm like (laughs) waiting. I'm like, what is, what is the other side going to come? Like, when's that going to happen? Yeah, it,
2: I think it, uh, it makes sense in, in all aspects of life we sign up for these things and then they were like, wait, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Oh, right. Cause it's really fun. It's fun. That's it. That's it. It's, it's fun. Yeah. What
0: about yeah. you, Matt? I would say I'm a blend actually between the two of you guys. Um, I would say, so I have three core fears and then there's a bunch of little spider branches off them that like, you know, um, I would say my primary fear would be not being enough um for other people so that might show up in like not being enough for my partner it could show up in jealousy like if you know my partner starts talking with some guy and I don't feel like I'm enough for my partner so like that sort of energy um fear of abandonment (sighs) this one has been really alleviated though since I did my trauma healing like really alleviated like I don't feel it very much anymore but I still feel the not good enough energy uh, which also showed up as like perfectionism for me. Um, and then loss of freedom. That's a big one for me. Um, you know, I don't actually have very many fears around death. I have more fears of living without freedom. That's kind of what how it shows up for me. And one of the ways that it really shows up is claustrophobia. Like, if somebody if i were like the worst thing that you could ever do to me would be to put me in a coffin and like lock it like alive i would like literally freak out like that's like your your that's my cn tower right um so yeah and there's a there's there's a few um like the, the not being good enough, I think is probably the most potent one for me. And I think it's probably the most potent for a lot of people because I, this, this is like a core thing that always comes up in coaching. It always comes up in everything that I do really. Um, but, and, and I think one of the areas that I'm moving through right now is around like sexual performance and like how it shows up in that area. Like, am I enough for my partner? It, it is am, am, am I, the way I show up in in sex is that going to be enough for this person you know what i mean um that's very alive for me in my, in my experience in the last few months and um actually longer than a few months it's been it's been quite a life since i kind of made this transition over into being demisexual um it's um Yeah, I guess the the not good enough comes from using the measuring stick, right, the comparison, because it's like I'm comparing myself to what I see around me and my, the modeling that I see isn't demisexuality, right. It's starting to become that because I now have like a men's group that, that, um, you know, is all demisexuals and I'm starting to really expose myself to this and I'm also noticing this becoming a lot more in the gay community but for many years, the measuring stick was the hypersexuality of the gay community. It was the porn. It was all these things. And I just never really felt like I strongly resonated with it. I think I egoically forced myself to resonate with it though. And then that's how I, I was in denial that this is what I actually wanted, but I was just trying to fit in because I felt like that's the only way I could get my needs met my sexual needs met as a gay man because no other gay man's going to want what I genuinely wanted which is connection, heart-centeredness, eye gazing, all these things that I really love and find deep intimacy in. I didn't think that other people, other gay men would want this um, but I'm starting to learn that. I'm debunking that myth um, and the more I speak my truth um, which has been very, very fear-inducing, right, like being different um, and speaking your truth, it um it 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 does have a little bit of backlash but not it has way more payback because now i'm getting people reaching out to me being like oh my god this is totally me too like i didn't ever i didn't think that somebody was the same as me i get that all the time um so i wanted to um well i'll just list some of my fears so again the sexual performance um The not being enough embarrassment is a big one. I was really driven by embarrassment. I hated blushing when I was a kid and a teenager. And I, I've masked myself from that for so long because the feeling of being exposed, somebody can see your emotional response on your face and you can't control it. Oh, it's like the worst thing in the world. So I would always try and hide that. Um, Heights, terrified of heights, Um, spiders and claustrophobia. But um, I, w- I want to note okay so when I was when I was thinking about this like I wanted to also kind of branch it off into like the collective and like what I experience and what I see working with the collective and working in coaching um I would say the, the four primary fears um are rejection judgment criticism and conflict and um inside each one of those is usually always like the core fears like not being good enough you know it shows up in rejection if we get rejected then you know we, therefore it stimulates that wound the shame wound of i'm not good enough right um and i i was thinking I'm like what do all of these four things have in common um and they all really are a fear of not belonging which i think is like a, a, the deepest fear that most human beings can experience and it's if you think about like we are tribal we are attachment creatures and we are all collective like we're, we're attached to that and the only thing that tells us we're not is our ego but we really are so when we experience a threat around you're not going to be part of the tribe anymore that is that brings up some deep deep shit for a lot of people right and a lot of us have attachment trauma which is exactly that right it it, it, it made real our fear of not belonging and I think um part of that is um and part of authenticity work is making peace with that fear right and choosing courage anyway like you know if you're somebody who naturally conforms and naturally tries to fit in because you don't want to experience that wound, you're going to stay stuck in that hamster wheel, right? So you have to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to taste conflict. You have to be willing to have people not like you. All of these things, you need to move through them in order for you to develop true courage to, to finally even allow yourself to belong, right? If we have a fear of not belonging, then we have to find courage in allowing ourselves to belong, which is putting ourselves out there as our unique, crazy, quirky, authentic self because then that's when we get the um the permission inside of ourselves to be us right it when we have this fear of belonging not belonging and it drives the show we are constantly in external validation we're asking everyone else to show us that we belong but when we truly belong to ourselves and we're authentic then it doesn't really matter we enter courage we let, let that fear not take over us anymore and we we um we liberate ourselves as much as we can from that fear. I don't think we can ever fully liberate ourselves from it, but it won't have as much of a grip on us. So I just felt really, I felt like I needed to share that because it was, um, this has been my transformation moving through a lot of these things and I'm still moving through a lot of them. It's a deep one,
1: yeah. Wow, thanks for that. And that, I wanna say that's a huge one for the gay community because we have to go through, we're forced to go through that process Mm -hmm. when we come out, because we have to face that reality that like, this is the heteronormative world that we live in, and we're Mm -hmm. a small percentage of it. And if we want to live that true authentic experience, we're gonna have to force ourselves to go through that, you know, potentially not belonging anymore to our original social circles. And so it's like, you know, that's where a lot of people get caught in the fear of like, oh, but my world is going to change. The people around me are going to change. It's like, yeah, they could very well. They might not. Hopefully they don't, you know, a lot of people get lucky and they don't, but then there's a lot of people who it completely changes their world and they have to go mm-hmm. through that. And I think that a lot of people listening to this podcast are going to resonate with what you just said, Matt.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I fully agree with putting the nice little bow on that, like in the gay context yeah very very uh important stuff did everybody answer that question yeah i think so okay yeah yeah all right um so yeah let's let's put on our well let's talk personally how we overcome our own fears but then maybe we can put our coaching hats on and share a little bit of some strategies that we think are important to move through and overcome fear yeah i don't mind sharing mine i have a I
2: have a three three part process that I okay. like to. I'll give you guys the the Cole's notes version of it of what I teach, but uh, it's alliteration because you know me, I love alliteration. <laughs> so it's basically compassion, curiosity, courage. Um, so the first step is to treat the fear well. Once you notice it's there, so identifying it, right. Uh, The way that I like to have compassion for my own fear is, again, the reminders, just the constant reminders that we are designed as humans to feel this emotion. Nothing has gone wrong. Just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean anything has gone wrong. It's a very, very natural part of who we are. And from a physiological perspective, fear has allowed the human species to survive as long as it has. We are naturally designed to spot out dangers in our environment. These days, the dangers are not necessarily what they were when we were cavemen running around. So that's you know one way I like to I like to intellectualize it. Okay, okay, I'm having a physiological reaction. Nothing has actually gone wrong here. Um, my my automatic reaction to fear, and I think for a lot of us this is the case, is to uh, reject it, dismiss it, avoid it. So this brings me to the next C, which is curiosity. So instead of doing that, what I like to do is approach it with curiosity. Say, okay, here it is identified everything I just said about compassion and then move towards it with curiosity. So I ask myself, what am I really afraid of here? What what is, what is the real fear? Usually it ends up in some kind of uh, those main four Matt, like uh, the, the failure, rejection, conflict, one of those visibility lately for me. Uh, which is really ultimately when I think back of why am I so afraid it's because I'm so afraid that I'm going to say something or do something that people are going to hate. And then I'm going to be like cast away from society. So it is, it does, it does really hold true. Mm. So I find out what I'm really afraid of. And then I look at, okay, is this a real danger? Is my life in danger? Or is this, uh, a case of false evidence appearing real F E A R. And, Guess what? Most of the time, I would say all the time, it's there's no real danger to my life. This is just my brain offering me uh, what it does. Just, just be careful. Don't do this. This is out of your comfort zone. You know you're in danger. And then understanding, wait, I'm not actually in danger. This is just me stepping out of my comfort zone. Nothing is really going to go bad here. The worst thing that could happen if I do fail, and I fall, I fall flat on my face, and nobody criticizes me. I'm still going to be alive. I'm still going to have my loved ones. I'm still going to have my soul. I'm still going to have my self-worth mm-hmm. um, and just remind myself that the worst that could happen is just discomfort. And at the end of the day, I know how to handle discomfort because that's the work that I do. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that curiosity. Uh, and then the other part of it would be asking myself to like do the, the flip over is who would I be without this fear? I ask myself that question. What would I be doing if I was not afraid of this thing that I am afraid of? And then lo and behold, of course, the answer to that question is the result that I want. Right. And so I'm like, okay, so clearly this, this fear is a made up in my mind. B it's the one thing standing in the way between where I am now and where I want to be in terms of goal setting. And that's when I get to the third C, which is courage, simply allowing the fear to be there and taking action regardless. Coming along for the ride. I love to use that. Like, okay, you're here. Come on. Like, we're not, we're not, I'm not trying to get rid of you because that's just going to take way too much time and I'll end up being stuck. So you're coming with me fear. <laughs> Put in a little purse and come on with me. <laughs> uh, and then I remind myself, all this means is that I'm on the right track, right? The way that I define fear for myself is you're going out of your comfort zone. So yeah, of course, if, if I have a life dedicated to growth and going after my dreams, my dreams are not in my comfort zone. They're definitely outside of it. All this means is that there's a signpost saying, check, Michael, you're on the right track. You're feeling afraid. Keep on going, buddy. And with that, I can muster up the courage to take that action, to release the podcast, Mm -hmm. to to do the thing that I need to do. And at the end of the day, even if I fail, even if it goes terribly wrong, even if all of my fears do actually happen, I honor myself and I I practice the skill of having Mm -hmm. my own back which goes back to the compassion, saying, "I got you, boo. You just fell flat on your face. That's okay. We'll do it again next time. I got you. What do we gonna learn from this? What are we gonna do? Um, yeah. And that really, at the end of the day, is practicing what I preach. Right? Like, what kind of coach would I be if I didn't practice these very things that I that I teach? Um, I think that one of the great things about this profession that we all are in is that we we get to be the example of, of doing it. And I think it's beautiful that we're doing this this episode on normalizing fear because i think you know a lot of people think that oh once you're at this level like fear goes away and i mean even the the like the beyonce's of the world the tiger Woodses of the world will tell you that you know it fear is part of their process too they just learn to deal with it so that's my three-part 3c process compassion curiosity
0: courage beautiful love it
1: Hmm. good stuff right there
0: Mm-hmm. What about you, Callan? Oh,
1: well, mine is similar, but different. Um, I love that you use the fear, false evidence appearing real, because I use that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but because my initial instinct is the fight mode. I do the opposite. I, you go towards it, Michael, I go away from it because if I keep going towards it, (laughs) I'm going to brawl. Um, so my reaction is when I'm having that fear response, because mine is a fight fear response, I have to remove myself. So I, whether that means ending a conversation and stepping away, whether that means, Hey, we're going to talk about this another time. Um, I have to really step away from whatever is causing me that fearful fight reaction and kind of give myself space, whether that's a couple of minutes, whether that's a couple of hours, whether that's a couple of days, um, to step away. And then that's when I go into similar, like you Michael, go into the kind of curiosity of it and go, okay, what's really hiding underneath here. Like, why was this so triggering for me? Why was I getting angry? Because I know the base of this is rooted somewhere in fear and shame and all that other stuff. So let's find out where this is really hiding. Um, You know, like sometimes you have conversations with family and like, you know, my brother triggers me and I get all angry. I'm like, okay, well, why, like, what is this, what's hiding underneath here? And usually what it is, is it's a fear of, you know, losing that connection or, you know, fear of loss of love. And, and that's, what's always like the kind of stuff that's hiding underneath. So that's where my curiosity leads me. Um, and then what I usually do with that is like I'll sit on it and meditate on it. And I'm not saying like I sit and meditate for hours. I just I give myself the space to think about it. Whereas a lot of people I find is they so many people are afraid of that space which is why so many people are go, 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 get it done. Just do all the things because they're so busy distracting themselves because they don't want to give themselves that space. Cause if they give them that self, that space, they're going to find out a lot of shit about themselves and they might not like what they see down there. Um, that's why I find a lot of people are like, I can't meditate. I'm like, it's cause you are afraid to find what you're going to find. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so when I come to those places, mm-hmm. I give myself that space to think about it and really, truly not when I'm in the anger fight or flight kind of energy, when I'm in the, I've given it some time it's the next day or whatever. And I'm like, okay, let's really just sit and think about why this came up for me, because I'm emotionally distanced now from the initial trigger Now I'm in kind of like an equal space. Let's get curious about it and let's see what's going on. So that's like a bit of a meditation that I'll do. And then to take that further, I do some journaling around it. If it's like something really juicy that I just need to kind of like get out and I kind of just do some free writing. And I usually start off with the anger of it. And I just let that spew out of me. Or this is also good to do at the beginning in order to help dissipate that anger energy or that fight energy I just let it rip on a piece of paper and I get out all the things And then by the end of it, I've purged all of that and it's gotten out of me. It's gotten out of my head. So it's not sitting on repeat and replay. Cause you know, sometimes you like sit and ruminate and you repeat the kind of conversations that you want to have. You're like, I'm going to let them have it with this and this and this. And like, you keep building like this amazing, like comeback in your head, but it's really not (laughs) going to do anybody any good. Right. And so I get that all out on paper. (laughs) And then by the time it's out, I'm like, that's stupid. That is, that's ridiculous. Like this is, I can't. I can't tell somebody this, this is all the crazy stuff we tell ourselves in our head, right? Um, And then I shift over into the curiosity and then by the end of it, I go, okay, let's just do some journaling about where this really is. And that's like more of a therapeutic healing um, thing that I like to do that kind of takes me through the different stages so that by the end of it, I'm like, okay, I know where this is really coming from now. Um, and I, like you, I don't have a little purse, but I have a car. <laughs> I have a car because I used to let fear drive that car. And I used to let different sides of me drive that car. And no longer do I let fear drive the car. I'm firmly the one in the driver's seat, but I have like my child self, which usually is a lot of the fear that comes up because it's his past traumas and wounds. And then I have fear and other, other people come and go in the car, but whoever's there, they get to sit in the back seat. Nobody else gets to sit with me. It's just me driving the car. I'm happy to listen to you, but at the end of the day, I'm going to make the decision. So just journaling that out and, and getting that out of my head and on paper is something that I really find helps me um, kind of over, I wouldn't say overcome. I like to say, go through. Cause I don't want to overcome my fears because like you said, I think they're good. I think they're there for a reason. They're, you know, humans were designed to survive. So the fear is there for a reason, but it kind of helps me process and move through it because I think you got to feel it in order to heal it. And because I'm so methodical and intellectually based, this really helps me get into the more emotional side of it and figure out where it's coming from. So it helps me process it more on that emotional level mm-hmm. so that I can go through it. So the, those are those are what I would say my uh, my processes my tips are. What about mm. you, Matt?
0: Yeah, you guys have <clears throat> really great, really great stuff. Honestly, very tangible things that people can take away. I like that. Um, okay, so for me, I, I came up with three things, um, and the first one is it's it, it, it's about ego, and I think ego is essentially um that voice inside of our heads or that development of self it's like where where we get to that point in our lives when we're um younger and we are able to realize that we aren't like we we we, we that we have a sense of self we can talk about ourselves we can think about ourselves that's the formation of the ego and i think the the ego um oftentimes deve- we we becomes the filters of how we perceive the world and perception is everything when it comes to fear, because you know we, we talk about false evidence appearing real, it's all about perception and putting it through filtering. And I think that there's, there's some things that can keep us stuck in fear um, by not facing our fears, and we stay stuck in the hamster wheel, right? Which I've identified as like psychological defenses, which are common mechanisms that the ego use to try and not have to feel X, Y, and Z. And in this case, we're talking about fear. So one that is very apparent for me is anger, right? Whenever I experience fear or criticism, rejection, any of those things, I meet it with anger because it's easier to feel that than it is to feel what's underneath of it. That's a psychological defense. If I always meet anger or fear with anger, I never actually get good at moving through the fear, right? And moving towards courage. Um, Another one that's very real and alive for me would be denial, Right. Um, for most of my life, I feared not belonging and I feared rejection. So I use the mantra that I don't give a fuck what people think about me. Right. How how that's loaded with denial because how can a human being possibly get to a place where they're they absolve themselves of any concern that other people might have of them? It's impossible. We're we're heart, unless you're a psychopath or a sociopath, it's impossible because we have empathy, and empathy tells us we care what other people think. Um So these are the mechanisms that it's really important for me to become aware of. Um, So I know that I'm using them. I know my ego is activated and then I can lead with curiosity and I can get to a place where I'm like, okay, you know, how can I actually meet this fear? How can I move through this fear um, and allow it in as opposed to always putting the walls up around it? So that would be one of the, the greatest thing is look at all the, you know, just Google like lists of psychological defenses. You have minimizing, rationalizing, blaming, denial, anger, um, projection, these sorts of things. And then just research them and look at, at which ones am I using and which ones am I need, need to be mindful of so I can start to um, face up to the things that are going to help me grow. Um, that's the first one. Um the second one what would be the mantra, feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, and this was the first personal development book that I read. It was um, Susan Jeffers and she published it in 1987, two years after I was born. And I read it then. No, I'm just kidding. I uh, I read it when I was about 15 and uh, I just found it. And and I this is when I really got invited into um, personal development and Um, I was started journaling and all these things. And for me, that, that became my mantra because I lived in fear. I, again, trauma and being gay. And like that mantra really pushed me towards coming out because it's like, I am not like the, for me, the, the regret of not, facing my fear is larger than the discomfort it causes me to move through the fear right I couldn't I could not sit with myself if I knew that there was an opportunity for me to get up and face something or do something and I chose to let fear dictate that and I've always been that way right um so I choose to always feel the fear and do it anyway and um that's been a huge game changer in my life um and I think what I'm talking about when I say that feel the fear and do it anyway is courage and that is really the energy of stepping into um, exactly what I just said noticing that the discomfort which what, what is going to be worse for you right if the comfort discomfort of moving towards your fear is truly going to be greater than the, the regret then maybe you're not ready to face that fear right now. Right. And that's okay too. We can, we can stay incubated in our comfort zone until we find um, the courage to move outside of our comfort zone. But I I do a lot of work with virtue cards. and I've had these since I were probably, yeah, since I was maybe like 25 or something like that. Um, And I, I, I circulate through them. There's like probably like 150 of them. And I, I picked out the courage one today, so I'll read it for you guys. Um, Courage transforms fear into determination. It is embracing life fully without holding back, doing what must be done even when it is difficult or risky. When we are tempted to give up, courage supports us to take the next step. It allows us to face adversity with confidence. Courage opens us to new possibilities and gives us the strength to sacrifice for what we love. At times, we need courage to accept the truth and to pick ourselves up after a mistake, ready to make amends and try again. Courage gives me strength to make this journey with all my heart. And then on the back, there's a quote from Rumi, heart, be brave. If you cannot be brave, just go. Love's glory is not a small thing. And then there's little practices of courage, like little affirmations, which I absolutely love. Um, So the practice of courage, I reach beyond my comfort zone. I welcome new challenges. I do what I know is right, regardless of the cost. I face the truth with humility and openness. I don't allow my fears to hold me back and I fully accept life's invitations. And that is the energy that I think it's important for us all to, to root into. And, you know, especially we're, we're, we're all about personal development and spirituality and growth. And uh, that really only comes when we find that, that energy inside of us, that fire inside of us to, to choose um, courage over comfort.
1: Mm. Yeah. I love that. Mm. And if I might, I want to add to Mm. it because I loved what you said, Matt, about, you know, feeling the fear, moving through it anyways. Um, And just add a little bit of, I personally did that the most this last year working with you guys because I found myself and I let myself be part of community. Mm -hmm. And that loaned me your extra courage that I perceived coming from you to push me forward because Mm -hmm. I felt the support. So for people Mm -hmm. out there listening, if you're having trouble moving through specific courageous things, try allowing yourself to belong to community regardless of what that community is what you know find your people you know find your own inner circle we did an episode about that before and let yourself belong there and allow that to help fuel the flames of your own courageousness to do what you need to do um, that's just what I wanted to say about that because I know that I've made the most leaps and bounds because of community because I've borrowed the courage from that community in order to push myself forward so
2: Just in a little solid point. And I, I, I also wanted to add something else for the listener, viewer who is perhaps feeling fear about something in their life. Surely we all are. Um in the processes that we all shared, I think it's important to remember, and I feel safe speaking on behalf of you guys here, that this doesn't all happen in like, you know a one-hour podcast like the the goal here is not for you to be like oh well listen to that podcast I should be good now Mm -hmm. you know I rhymed off compassion curiosity courage really quickly but sometimes this takes weeks months it it takes it takes what it takes right yeah Years. years yeah it takes a long time I didn't make a move to to live the life I wanted to live until I was well into my 30s um so yeah, it does take a long time because I had that deep underlying fear of going for it, fear of visibility, all that stuff. So I just want to say, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, this podcast is a great first start and perhaps listen to the next one as well, um, because having this as a tool, the knowledge part of it is, is really is a big first step in understanding that all the things that we're teaching here and we're sharing here can if you want to use it to again not get rid of the fear but to learn to embrace it mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah i like that i like that a lot and i th- i think i i would second what both of you guys said but m- more specifically to callen because like community has really been a huge huge pivot point for me right because we get to face all the fears there right? So it's like when we're in our little womb of ourselves, our comfort zone, it's like we can only face so much. We can only do so much personal development work. And then we Mm got to bring it into the relational dynamic, which is where most of our fears originate. They're all, most of our fears are social fears, right? So we practice them within, with each other. And I I would, I'll leave, leave it with this. It's don't take yourself so seriously. And this, that's aimed right at my own heart because I am the king of taking myself seriously. Right. Um, and I'm learning how to bring out my more playful side and practice humility and just being okay with making mistakes and not being perfect. Right. These, these are, these are core things. So yeah, have a little fun on the journey and know that you don't have to, you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Any final comments from you guys?
2: i think i'm good
0: i'm all good okay awesome well thanks for tuning in to the listener it's always great to uh, have you guys here we wouldn't do this without you guys so it's nice to know that we have ears and eyes on us um learning from the things that we want to share with you guys it's much appreciated um if you are not part of the gay men's brotherhood come and join us we're god we're at 3800 guys now um and we have a really beautiful community of, of men that are moving through all these things that we talk about. Um, our purpose is to move from shame and lack of worthiness into authentic self and, and confidence, right? So come and join the journey. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, please um, subscribe and uh, hit the bell. Yeah, And you'll you'll get notified when we release content every Thursday and uh leave comments you can leave comments on youtube and we love to get your guys's comments and know how um you're moving through your own fears and some fears that are uh, really alive for you in your in your life right now please feel free to share those with us and if you're listening on your favorite podcast network please uh leave us um a five-star rating if you enjoyed what you heard today and also leave us a review because we and we need more reviews to fill up our review library so we can share them at the beginning of these episodes um and until next time Much love from the three of us.
1: Ciao. Bye.